like this team, the number of seven, eight, nine, ten yard reception gains, it's just, like it's just so low. It feels like it's all again feast or famine with this team. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, December the 20th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how we doing? I'm good. You know, the, the chat here, you're getting a little too predictable, it seems, because people are, are even in the countdown, are seeing... Uh, exactly what you're going to say right They're before you say reciting the intro for me listen just yeah. seasoned veterans of the hot read podcast we appreciate you dp being here with us deagle already with us who says sure do love having something to listen to on his drive home other than stillman we got you baby we got you don't worry uh, we got a great one for you today it's going to be an awesome time with our longtime friend of the show james foster who will bring in in just one second we're talking about everything you are concerned about regarding the titans this week mike vrabel Tim Kelly, the offensive line, whose fault is this? Whose fault is the deficiencies of this team? Uh, how, how much blame deserves to be placed where we're going to dive into all of it. And we'd love your questions or comments. You can do that by heading on over to probably sports media's YouTube page. It's probably sports media on YouTube, finding this live stream, joining the comment section of that video. And that is where you can join DP and Deagle and uh, Matt now in the comments and get your input into today's conversation. Let's go ahead and bring our guest in, JT. He is James Foster. You know him and love him. If you are familiar with this show, you can follow him on social media at No Flags Films. He, of course, runs the fantastic YouTube channel, A to Z Film Room. James, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining the show. Merry Christmas. Thanks for having me. We are excited today to dive into all of the things that people are angry about this week, um, and I'm sure it will make for some interesting conversation, but we wanted to have you on because you, as I've said many times, are my most trusted source in the Nashville media market for the, the study of Titans tape and understanding what exactly is going on with the X's and O's of this team, something that a lot of fans and myself included, I'm certainly a novice in a lot of these categories. Uh, when it comes to understand what exactly we're watching out there, especially when things are going wrong and trying to understand whose fault is is what. And so we're going to dive into that today. Um, let's start. And by the way, we're brought to you by uh, we're brought to you. My Boombox Craft Pizza and Tap House will tell you about a little bit later in the show. But let's go ahead and dive right in. And let's start with the most recent game that we saw these two or this team play against the Houston Texans last Sunday. Um, a lot was made about the game that Tim Kelly called offensively, and a lot has been made about what his season as a whole has has looked like. What was your opinion? And I'm not sure. I haven't even asked you if you've had a chance to dive through this most recent game tape or not, but what was your I opinion? I just watched it, yeah. Okay, perfect. Fresh on your mind. So what was your opinion of this game in particular, and then maybe contrasted with what his season as a whole has looked like to you so far? So I think when you if you remove the first down running debacle <clears throat> which like we'll get into sure. was was pretty ridiculous um outside of that like i don't think it was that bad i mean i felt like receivers were open a lot more often uh than they had been really all season um oh, okay. on a on a consistent basis like within the within the structure of the offense not counting trick plays and stuff like that 
Right. Um, I thought he did a good job getting Traylon Burks involved. Could have had him for a touchdown uh, on easily on the uh, interception that Will Levis threw. One of one of his worst plays of mm-hmm. his NFL career. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought I thought most of the a lot of the passing game stuff that they were doing was pretty cool, but the the running the early down running was ridiculous and like (laughs) i one of my biggest pet peeves is after games we go to the box score and then we find what was successful we find the split that was successful and then what wasn't successful and then we say why didn't you do more of this right you know um it's it's just kind of revisionist history but um and you know towards the end of the game they did start to do some some first down play action stuff more. It seemed like I wasn't charting it or anything, but um, the fact that it took them so long to, to get away from the first down runs uh, was pretty insane to me. I, I was doing a stat deep dive while I was watching the game. um, And there have been 253 teams this year that have run on first down at least 14 times in a single game, 250 teams uh the titans had the second lowest success rate of any of those teams Mm. all year or just in that game year at uh at at 12.5 percent for a single game uh second worst early down success rate uh running the ball unfortunately that's really believable if you watch the game i mean that's not really hard to conceive yeah and i mean just eyeballing it i would guess the one successful run would be that uh reverse to Traylon burks probably um To me, you know, do do you want to just get into the the first down runs? Um, so yeah, let, let's oh. let's work inside out, and then we can talk about Tim Kelly's season as a whole. So yeah, I, I I've got the numbers here. Um, you know, it's it wasn't just that they were running on first down that a lot of fans were upset with. It was that it was pounding Derrick Henry into the the wall of an offensive line, a line that can't move the line of scrimmage really at all, and um, he's you know a player that I, I think at this point, everybody can understand has become limited in his ability. And certainly when you're not giving him a couple of steps to get going downhill, it's a, it's a problem this year. It's not like they've used him on first down runs a ridiculous amount. Um, our, our buddy Zach Lyons at football and other F words put this on Twitter today, the past three years, for example, in 2021, 51.2% of first downs were a Derrick Henry run. Last year, it was 50.7. This year, it's just 33.9. So people ask me, aren't you upset with the rate at which they're running on first down in general? And and my response to that is, I don't really hate the rate at which they're they're running. I, I hate the usage of, of the two backs, and I hate the way that they're choosing to run. Do you disagree with that? Um. So there's, there's several different layers to that. Um, right. So it, it's hard to find first down run rates. I'm not exactly sure how reliable these are, but um, it was the first link that popped up on Google and it has the Titans at 17th in the NFL and first down run percentage. Right. Um, it says it's 33.5%, which seems low. That's why I'm kind of like distrusting of it, <laughs> but you know, there's one stat out there that says they're kind of like middle of the road in first down run percentage. Um, so that's the first element. The second element of it is that I think 
and I've had to do this, we need to evolve our opinion of running the football versus passing the football as the landscape of the league changes. I think um, four to five years ago, it was objectively a bad philosophy to, you know, have this idea of like establishing the run on early downs and, um, and that sort of thing. But with how much too high uh, teams are playing, you know, the most efficient offenses in the NFL are the best rushing offenses. Um, Mm -hmm. So the idea of having an efficient running game, and especially for a team like the Titans that, aren't necessarily going to have that play to play by play success rate that you want for, for a great offense. Like they do need to stay ahead of the sticks and first down passes. They seem more appealing because that's just the other option. But right. like, I just watched Jalen Duncan for an hour and a half. And like, I, I didn't come away from that game saying, <laughs> I mean, I, I came away from it saying they need to stop running on, first down so much but then the alternative is passing on first down i don't feel great about that either maybe they Um, should just skip first downs can we just not run first down plays is that possible yeah can can we just like compromise and take like two yards maybe i don't know right right Um, right. just buy a free just buy a vowel yeah so I think philosophically like i've changed um a little bit over recent years in terms of running the football versus passing the football. Um, there's the Derrick Henry element of it. I think he's definitely lost a step. Um, and But I, I do think that that's a separate conversation from what I've seen the last two weeks, really. Um, okay. I'm almost never a, a running back vision critique guy, but there have just been some obvious, obvious misreads, like, three or four per game the last two weeks where he's running himself into traffic. And even the decisions that he is making um, are so indecisive and and the movements are so clunky uh, as he's, you know, picking his gap. Um, That's that's to me what's really concerning to me. Um, Can I ask one thing on that? Because I've noticed this as well. I wonder if do you get the sense that he's pressing out there because he's having to run behind such a poor offensive line, or maybe he's pressing because he feels himself losing that step, or is it just a couple bad weeks, just variants? I would guess it's I would guess it's one of those two, but yeah, I think I, I think um, you know the the first option I, I think is probably most likely, although like. The thing is vision, you know, you would think is probably the last thing to go for a running back. So, um, and he's not had an issue with poor vision. much. No, in his I mean, career. vision has been like his, one of his best traits, uh, right. over his career. Um, so I think that that was a factor, but that was really a factor for like two or three plays, um, in the Texans game. The thing with, Derrick Henry versus Tajay Spears. I don't think Tajay Spears or Christian McCaffrey was going to have success with how a lot of these runs were blocked. I mean, I right. like I was just writing down notes of you know reasons that the first down runs weren't successful. You've got Peter Skronsky getting blown into the backfield, tackle for loss. 
Um, Dylan Radens doesn't pick up a slant. Uh, you've got Traylon Burks trips on a crack block, unblocked defender in the backfield. Um, they're running duo with a double team. Uh, Jalen Duncan just doesn't come off the double team and pick up a linebacker. He runs unblocked into the backfield. Uh, they run a toss play. Uh, Jalen Duncan doesn't pick up the nickel. He tackles uh, whoever was running Henry or Spears. Uh, they run trap where they're leaving the three technique unblocked, um, trying to get him to, to flash into the backfield. Uh, and then you hit a track trap block on his side. The three tech makes a great play, recognizes it, undercuts it, uh, gets a tackle for a short gain. Um, so there's a, a handful of plays as it is like with most times that you have um, a poor offensive outing. Um, you know, I, I'm sure the fire, uh, fire, everyone crowd is tired of hearing it, but a lot of it does come down to execution. With that being said, there are some uh, some Tim Kelly complaints that I had. Okay, um, I thought there was there was a first down slip screen where they had all the routes developing away from the linebackers that you're trying to manipulate and get to sync, and um, so there's really no nothing influencing them to get any depth, and they just you know sit by the line of scrimmage. Um, also on that play though, only one blocker leaked out, so it, it wasn't going to be executed well. Regardless, um, I, I thought towards the third quarter, the Texans had been running so many slants with their defensive line where they're changing gaps post-snap. And that basically, unless you just have a, a masterful offensive line, that pretty much screws up outside zone because uh, outside zone, you want everybody flowing in the same direction, um, flowing with those lateral steps. Um, so I, I think the decision to run a couple outside zone runs on first down, um, in the third quarter, uh, was a bad decision from Tim Kelly. And then to me, the wildcat runs were just egregious. It's like, it's like doing the, uh, it's like doing the Steph Curry thing where you turn around after you, uh, shoot the three, but you're. Oh, for 12 on the game. <laughs> it's just, it's wild confidence. That's not warranted whatsoever. Yeah. 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 Um, like, you, like you already know we're going to run it on first down. Why don't we just make it n from like you being 90% sure to you being 100% sure by I'm about to say uh, it's, it's one degree path. of separation from holding up a sign on the sideline that says run. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's so off. So let's, I want to try to, whittle down the why here because like you said it was a i think it was a there were some poor elements of the the game that was called by kelly certainly a lot of poor execution a lot of folks are talking about well is the is the boneheadedness with first down running the the refusal to go away from it when it's clearly not working is that an element of this team knows they simply have to establish the run in order to be functional on offense because in my mind this team is so poor protecting the passer when they do try to pass it's bad enough when the the defense doesn't know whether they're going to run or pass if they just abandon the run entirely it it'll be punts every single drive without question you won't have to watch the game to know what happened i mean it's it's so and that's that's why this all it all all of your problems point back to the offensive line. I think we can agree on that. Like 
this offensive line was dramatically better, a lot of these problems would be solved. But what is it about their insistence on continuing to run the ball in early downs? Do you think that that's a Vrabel thing? Is he in Kelly's ear saying, like, this is the way we're going to do it? And you see more of a Vrabel influence than a Kelly influence? Maybe we can take the conversation in that direction because I know that you've studied Kelly pre-Titans. Now you've seen what he's done with the Titans. Is there a, is there a common thread there? Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at um, like early down run rates for when he was in in Houston. Um, as far as like how much of it's a Vrabel influence versus a Kelly influence, I mean, there's there's people on Twitter that know way more than me about um, all the intricacies of that. Um, <laughs> um, they think they know, but. Uh, um, I think one thing philosophically that I disagree with the Vrabel brain trust about, we'll just say, uh, is the idea that you have to run successfully to set up play action. Like I get the sense that's something mm-hmm. that, that he thinks, right. Um, which I, I think is true at like a minimal sense. Like, I don't think if the commanders came out and ran play action every snap, that would really fool anyone. Um, cause you know, they're passing, or at least at, at one point they were, uh, passing more than any NFL team, uh, had ever, um, right. you know, so like on the extremes, you know, you, there does have to be some believable threat of running the football, but just, just the Titans reputation and the fact that they don't really do anything else well is enough to where like going into the week, stopping Derrick Henry is, is still the main thing on every team's um, mind. Like that's what the linebackers are thinking about uh, Saturday night before the game. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, you don't having one more f- successful five yard run on first down, isn't going to make that next play action concept that you're, that you're going to call any more successful. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, I, it's hard to to psychoanalyze them and and figure out what the thought process was there. Um, but play action on first down would be something that I would be just like spamming a lot more often than they do. So we can we can take the conversation a little bit more broadly here, or we can talk about the offensive line some more. Here's another statistic that was being talked about um, by our buddy Zach Lyons on on Twitter today about how wildly bad the Titans offensive line is this year. 483 dropbacks for this offense on the season. 50 of those have resulted in a sack. 60 have resulted in a quarterback hit, which means that the Titans quarterback between Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis is being hit or sacked every 4.39 dropbacks, which you don't have to be an expert to know is it's a, that's non-starter. You can't, I mean, it's not, you can't function like that. And it's, it's playing out that way on Sundays. Um, And yet somehow the Titans still have the 13th highest pass block win rate, according to ESPN. What a bogus stat. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, it's stuff like that, that, that makes you question those numbers. Um, I don't know. Do you want to, the one guy in the offensive line, I have the biggest question about right now. Maybe we can take it in this, this direction. What's what's been going on with Peter Skaronsky the past couple of weeks besides just him not looking very good out there? Are you 
uh, of the same mind. Like I'm, I'm hoping he just has an injury that we don't know about because if he doesn't, it's been a little bit concerning. Now he's playing with a guy to his left and to his right, who he's I'm sure having to worry about and maybe compensate for, maybe he's pressing a little bit, but what have you seen from him on tape recently? Yeah, there have been, um, a handful of reps, I would say, with Peter Skronsky where he just kind of gets overpowered. He had the one play. I don't know if they like charted him as, as giving up a sack, but there was one where he he tripped on Aaron Brewer that um, you know, it isn't really that bad of a rep, but he just got tossed aside for a sack later in the game. Um I know the play you're talking about where he just gets ragdolled by the the defensive tackle. Yeah, and, and he's had a he's had a few of those um kind of plays like he had one that still s- sticks out in, in the Pittsburgh game um where it's like you can just tell like it's still an adjustment um the length and and power of the NFL um when it comes but to is like, that what it is because I don't remember seeing those play strength issues on tape in the spring yeah but like he's going up against you know Sure. A Minnesota edge rusher. It's just like, it's not even, it's not even the same stratosphere. Um, The way that I view it is there are, there's almost never good rookie offensive lineman seasons. Like Tristan Wirfs, I think was, was pretty good as a rookie. And it was historic that Right, he came in and was like already a plus starter. Sean Slater, like you'll get one every, three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I look at it really for all rookies, but especially for offensive linemen is that year one, you, you want to at least see the the high end flashes and them being able to uh, look like they belong in the NFL. Right. And to me, year two is the first time that the clock starts ticking where I would ever get concerned or like, um, you know, have any sort of long-term, you know, negative outlook for a player. Um, so if this is still happening next year, then I think uh, it would definitely be cause for concern. Um, Can I ask about one yeah. play in particular that's been, I've seen floating around the internet. It's the one where, and I forget who the defender was, but he, he blows in between um, Skaronsky and Duncan, who both initiate contact, but then both seem to kind of leave him. Was that, do you think that was just a miscommunication? Somebody was trying to climb to the second level. Do you know the play I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, do you have any idea what, what happened there? Cause I'm just curious. Yeah. I'm 90% sure that was on Duncan. You're talking about where the defensive lineman just basically splits the double team, like back yeah. up in their own. And then uh, Bronsky just moves on to the second level. Essentially. Right. It looks like he's trying to, like he's intentionally trying to move to the next level. And maybe Duncan thought that uh, wasn't going to happen. I don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, yeah, I just found that play. It's like, yeah, I, I've, when I watch it, I think miscommunication for sure on someone's end. But at the same time, it's like Duncan, as as they split, Duncan is already moving to the left as Skronsky is moving to the guy after him. And it's like, there, there's just, they forgot about the guy they initially contacted with. The other thing is Jalen Duncan is one of the least assignment secure offensive linemen uh, that I've watched this year. Like he can, like he consistently does not know uh, when to, when to, you know, come off blocks, when to climb. Um, 
yeah, that that's been a consistent issue for me or for him. Um, And you I know, guess you can you can tell by Derrick Henry's yeah. initial uh, initial track that he's trying to hit the a gap, and so that would mean that that uh, Duncan needs to to slide over and overtake that block on Malik Collins, and then uh, Skaronski comes uh, comes down and blocks the mic. Um, so yeah, I mean I would put that on on Duncan um, based on what I see, and also just the fact that he screws up one of those plays like three times a game. Well, the fact that, that you point out, you know, first year for any offensive lineman as a rookie is typically a bit of a trial period. I'm sure that's reassuring to plenty of Titans fans who are hoping to see this offensive line dramatically improve with a couple of new pieces next year. So just uh, prepare that patience, everybody. We're going to keep this conversation rolling along. And again, if you're watching with us live, we appreciate you being here with us. If you got any questions for us or for James, um, I would recommend James because he's not here every day. Come on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page and then join the conversation. The conversation in this live stream's comment section. You can leave any questions or comments you might have. We're going to get to all of those before we are done here today. And let me tell you for a moment about our sponsors, Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. They are a fantastic pizza company. We love visiting with them each and every Thursday before Thursday Night Football when we do our live show. This show previewing the Titans' upcoming game before Thursday Night Football and then stick around at the bar. We grab a drink. We grab a bite to eat. We watch the game on their big screen televisions. It's a great time. That's down in Spring Hill, just 20, 25 minutes uh, south of Nashville, down I-65 if you're in town. They've also got locations in East Nashville and in Murfreesboro. So check out Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, wherever is nearest to you. All right. Um, I've got more questions about this team, and I, I, wanna, I don't want to get too nitty gritty because I, I do have some general questions on um, Tim Kelly and the blame game here. You know, the Jimmys and Joes versus the X's and O's. I was talking to you in in private earlier this week, James, about how the, the gaslighting of Tim Kelly is bad. Tim Kelly is Todd Downing 2.0 is driving me up a wall at this point. And every individual person online wants to have a specific debate with me about it. And I, I was like, I don't, I, it's, I've give, said my piece. Like we, here's the thing. It is in my opinion. I think this is not even an opinion. I think it's just a fact like unpredictability is a privilege of the talented. And so folks that say, why do you keep doing this? You got to change it up or what scheme around the deficiencies here or scheme around the, the lack of talent from this individual player. I, I just see it as asking a guy to work miracles every snap game in and game out. And I think it's not fair. Um, and I think generally this year, Kelly has done a lot of things where it's been really impressive despite the tools he's been working with. I think that he's a dramatically better coordinator and play caller than what the Titans had in Todd Downing. So let's, can we just address this? What I think is a very silly discussion, Tim Kelly versus Todd Downing. What differentiates them from what you have seen from both of those guys, James, is there a, a couple of things or a common theme? What, what do you make of this comparison? So to me, like to, to uh, simply describe Todd Downing's offense, it was basically just like he was in the building when Arthur Smith was here and then Arthur Smith left. And then they were like, did you get all that? <laughs> and then it's a bad cosplay. Yeah. And then he just like tried to do the Arthur Smith offense okay. that Arthur Smith ran when they had an elite run blocking offensive line mm -hmm. um, and elite weapons on the outside. And the idea is we're going to line up and we're either going to run outside zone or we're going to run duo. 
And those are going to be our two runs. And uh, it's not really that creative, but we have Derrick Henry and an elite O-line and they can't stop us. Like I was going back and watching some 2019 tape, one of the Jags games, and they straight up ran outside zone left five times in a row and probably averaged like 12 yards a carry on it. <laughs> like um, yeah, the good old days, like the Titans could never do that, you know, in the past two or three years. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that Todd Downing was trying to do. He was just in over his head. Um, maybe, maybe if he had gotten the job two years earlier, he could have eked out a, a good season or something. But, um, yeah, that, that was Todd Downing's offense to, to me. I view Tim Kelly's offense as kind of like a greatest hit scheme. I feel like he takes a lot of stuff from the lions and Rams rushing game where he's running a lot of counter um, like unique variations of counter and duo where he's running. So counter traditionally you're pulling the guard and then you've got like GT counter where you're pulling the guard or the tackle. The Titans run a lot of what's called counter solid where they're not pulling any offensive linemen, but they're pulling two tight ends that prevents backfield penetration because you're not, you know, opening up one of those gaps and you get like fast tight ends and receivers on the move as your pullers. They run a lot of that. Uh, they run a lot of uh, unique variations of duo, like duo wrap, which are like all very similar. Um, but you've got like, again, pullers, um, non-offensive linemen pullers, um, so to me, that's an example of one of the best traits that you can have as a play caller is just being able to recognize what works and take it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's night and day how much more creative the running game is under uh, Tim Kelly than Todd Downing. Um, you know, you as a linebacker against Todd Downing's offense, you could sit there pre-snap and, and basically know that it was one of two or three things that was coming. Um, with Tim Kelly, you know, there's at least eight or nine things that you've seen on tape that, you know, you have to be watching out for. Now they're probably not going to be blocked very well, but you've at least got to like fit it right. Um, I think, you know, I think a telling stat with the Titans offense is that they rank 16th in EPA per play, but 27th in success rate. Mm. Um, and break that down that, for folks. What, what, what's the significance of that? So EPA per play is like um, the difference in ranking 16th in EPA per play versus 27th in success rate. Success rate is just every play. It's a binary yes or no. Was it successful? Like, did you get the four yards on first down three yards? You know, it's descending for each down. Um, right. So if you're a low success rate offense, that means down to down, you're not very efficient. Um, you can't move the ball. You don't have receivers that can consistently beat man coverage. You're not holding up in pass protection. You're not blocking runs very well. But if you rank high in EPA per play, that means you're getting a ton of explosive plays that are outweighing um, all those other snaps that are unsuccessful. And um, so it's feast or famine, basically. Not where yeah. You I mean, be. I I think that kind of speaks to his um, you know what he's done. Like they lead the NFL in trick plays this year. Um, out of necessity because it's the only right. way they can right because like they can't just call double posts and expect their receivers to win right um, that's kelly that's actually why, trying to every create play, miracles every game every there's a flea flicker there's a double reverse pass there's something like that 
Um, so they're generating a lot of explosive plays to kind of manufacture some sort of, um, you know, success on offense, even if the down to down efficiency isn't there. Um, you know, something you had in the notes, that's been one of my uh, main criticisms of, of, um, of Tim Kelly is that uh, they, they didn't, you know, move the pocket more, um, especially with Will Levis and his mobility, you know, doing design rollouts and stuff like that. Um, why don't, why don't they like that's the fans ask me this question and I don't have an answer. Like folks will say, why not just roll or boot or move the pocket every single snap? Yeah. I mean, I know that rollouts are something that have gotten a lot less popular over the last five years, especially. Um, the weird thing about it though, is like the reason they've gotten less popular is because teams are running a lot less single high cover three, which is um, where it would have a lot more success, but the Titans face more cover three than any team in the NFL hmm. because like teams are not really playing two deep safeties against the Titans. Like they're they not, they're like not they saying like, we got, we got to put a cap over this. <laughs> right. um, over what? Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, that's something that I think could have um, a lot of success against the looks that they're getting. Another thing is RPOs, which are also pretty good against cover three. Um, and, you know, like I was, I've been watching some of the, the Colts offense and they've kind of been able to, to string together something with, with not much, basically just like running more RPOs than you'll ever see. Spike is um, impressive, man. And I, I think that, I would say even more so than uh, than rollouts are a great way to kind of um, minimize bad pass protection because even even with rollouts, um, I saw a stat like a couple years ago where quarterbacks still get hit on a higher percentage of rollouts than they do on like traditional dropbacks. Yeah. I don't know if that's still true, um, but you know RPOs, you're you're able to kind of uh, basically ignore some, uh, some pass protection to an extent. Um, you know, I think guys like Deandre Hopkins and Chris Moore even, um, are, can be successful on those types of routes. Um, I mean, I, I get it that you can't just install everything, but, uh, RPOs probably would have been something that I, uh, leaned towards if I was designing the Titans offense. I want to ask you about in-game adjustments and the Titans apparent lack of ability to do so. But uh, one last call for folks that are with us live. If you want to ask a question or have a comment on the Titans or what we're discussing today, join us on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. This live stream on that YouTube channel is where you're going to find this uh, comment section and you can leave your thoughts there like many others already have. And while you're there, give us a subscription. It's free to you. It's very helpful to us. Try and get that number up as much as possible. So thank you very much for subscribing. James, one of the biggest issues that folks have with this team's offensive performance is in games like last Sunday, they come out and for the first drive and a half, two drives, they look like they've got their act together and then they just bang their head into the wall the rest of the game. And when the the opponent seems to adjust to what they're doing, they don't have a counterpunch. Is it fair to wonder if, if, if this team just isn't good enough to make adjustments? Do you have to have a certain threshold of like, these guys have to be good enough to adjust to what's happening on the fly. And some of these guys just aren't, or is that more of a coaching issue in your opinion? 
Well, I, I don't know that I, I saw that with um, the Texans making too many adjustments or, or the Titans really changing up what they were doing. Um, the main thing that I saw is that Will Levis just started missing a lot of plays uh, in the mm. second half, really. Um, you know, they, they also had like they, you know, they ran like the play action bang concept to, uh, to Traylon Burks, got a bunch of yards. Um, Will Levis kind of threw up a YOLO ball to Chris Moore that he came down with. You know, those are the, the two explosive plays really yeah. on the first drive. Um, um, or was it Chris Moore or NWI maybe? Um, oh, the one so, done at the goal line was NWI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean like comparing the, the first couple drives to, um, to later in the game, I, I mean, I, I really felt like both teams were, were kind of doing the same stuff. Um, okay. you had Will Levis left a lot of plays on the table and, um, was this his worst this, game in your opinion? No, I mean, there was still, there were still enough, uh, really good throws, um, that, that I think kind of balance out the the handful of terrible ones. I would probably go to a game like Tampa Bay that I still think is probably his worst game. Right. Um, even though I think he only threw one interception, but it, it felt like he should have thrown uh, two or three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he still like, I, I still think that like, there was a lot of encouraging stuff on tape for uh, from Will Levis for this game. Um, you know, doing some good stuff out of the pocket. He had, um, you know, a, a couple really nice shots to trail in Burks. He had uh, a deep curl route, like 25 yards or something. Uh, I forget. It might've been to Chris Moore. I think that one was. Moore. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's still a handful of plays. It, it definitely was a below average game for him though. I have a question about that passing game, uh, something that I've been on all season long and I don't really have an answer to that. It, maybe it, maybe it's just a lack of talent in, in weapons. This Titans team has really hollowed out the middle class, of their passing game this year. It feels like everything is a, is a deep look or something at or around the line of scrimmage. And they don't really have that go to, you know, AJ Brown in breaking five yard gainer when they do throw intermediate, it's almost certainly to Deandre Hopkins on third down, just trying to get past the sticks. You saw them do it a little bit in this game early on with those two identical routes that, that trail on ran the, the two in breakers where he, he made big chunk plays. Why, why aren't they, why don't they have an intermediate passing game? Is it because they don't have receivers that can separate quickly? Is it as simple as that? Um, I think the uh, I think the split that you're seeing is that they run a ton of quick game, like they rank near the top of the league in three step drop usage rate, and a lot of times what they'll have on those will be like a slant flat concept on one side, and then like another slant, and then they'll have just D hop on a go route. Mm -hmm. So it'll either be like he works the concept that's called, or that's not open, and then his check down is tossing it up to to deandre hopkins i i felt like that was more extreme early in will levis's tenure sure um you'd have to look at, at, at like the the average depth of target um you know yeah texans game was actually his highest a dot for the season at 14.9 yards um but yeah i mean it started out like his first three games average depth of target were all above 10 yards 
And then his next four, he only had one above 10 that was at 10.3. Um, you know, not completely telling, but it, it does feel like, you know, they've gotten, they've gotten Chigakonkwo uh, involved a lot more over the middle. They've, um, you know, they, they've loved those uh, speed outs to, to Chris Moore anytime they get off coverage and DeAndre Hopkins because he's just so good at, at getting his feet in bounds. Um, right. it's, it's honestly incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the answer to that is that they're running a lot more quick game instead of the, the play action in breakers that you would see, um, under Todd Downing. Fair enough. Fair enough. It just, and maybe I'm off base with this, but anecdotally, it feels like this team, the number of seven, eight, nine, ten 10 yard reception gains, it just, like it, it's just so low. It feels like it's all again, feast or famine with this team. And um we can we can move on to um we, we got some questions from folks in the comments we'll get to in one second but i have one more question for you on the future of this team which is where everybody is essentially looking at this point based on this roster currently um and, and you know people are wondering the next the titans fans are not used to this the next three games the titans don't have anything to play for besides their draft position. It's the first time in, I think I saw 96 games, Mike Rebels coached, and this is the first time he's going to go into a Sunday without a chance to make the postseason, which is a, a credit to him. Um, but it's un, uh, unnatural territory for a lot of Titans fans. And so they they wonder to me out into the folks online, like, wh why do you play the starters? Why would, what's the point of these games? What can you gain? Um, I think that it is going to be critical to figure out who should and shouldn't be a part of the future of this team. Who, based on what we've seen so far to you, James, is going to be most critical to the future success of this team? Besides Will Levis, obviously. So is the question like, who do I think will be a part of the team? or Who, 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 are, think... who are the guys that you think are the cornerstones going forward? And, and the success of the team is largely going to be predicated on their success. Okay. Um, so guys that I feel like there's above a 50% chance that they are like key players. The next time the Titans make the playoffs, I'll just, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll say that. That's, that's what I'm essentially trying to get at. Um, I think Peter Skaronsky, um, I, I still feel relatively confident about him. Um, Will Levis, Ty J Spears, um, Roger McCreary, I think has had a great season. Uh, I, I haven't watched the defense tape from this game, so uh, don't know what happened there. But I honestly, <laughs> watching the game live uh, after the Titans went up thirteen and nothing, uh, I fell asleep, and then I woke up to them <laughs> losing. So, um, yeah, um, it's tough. That's a tough one. Um, what, what, along those lines, Sean Murphy Bunting, do you, yay or nay on him? Um, eh, eh? I, I think okay. it's like. You know he's he's a boom bust cornerback uh, too. I don't view cornerback as this pressing need that they have to address in the draft because there's so many like cornerback two. Whoa, whoa, whoa! The James agency. Foster I know said he would draft three corners every single time he went to the not podium. What's going on? not with this offense. Not with this. Okay, offense. okay, okay. Nah. Um, Further down. So yeah, I mean, I would I would be cool with uh, with bringing Sean Murphy Bunting back, but I, I think he, he definitely adds something else um mm -hmm. besides trey avery that could step in um and i mean you still need another starting outside corner so like yeah i don't think i don't think he's made himself a ton of money this year um you know and sure. i would be cool with bringing him back 
Um, so yeah, Roger McCreary, um, I think Chigakonkwo as like, I'm confident that he's gotten over the drops. Honestly, he's played so really well after that. I think it was just Had a couple of really nice catches in this past game that I was yeah. genuinely shocked. He caught the ball. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm getting less and less shocked uh, when he catches the ball, um, sure, right. you know, as of recent, but yeah, I mean, I think it, unfortunate timing to have that. And I guess you never know when that pops up again, maybe, but right. um, I, I feel like the worst case scenario with Chig has been avoided. Um, so even though he's not a do it all tight end, he's at least a weapon. Um, you know, obviously Dylan Raiden's, um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I and, hate that you had to stipulate that that was a joke. Yeah. That should be obvious. Um, and then outside of that, I would say Jeffrey Simmons and sure, probably Amani Hooker. Um, Harold Landry also because he's on that contract. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, Harold Landry. Um, do you do you think, think bringing Autry back is a a viable option? I mean, his his age is one thing, but the production it's it's it shocks me how much juice he has left. Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't think he would be too expensive um, at the age. I don't think he would either. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that you're. What What's he getting right now? Like nine million or something? JT, uh, let's let's find the answer to that because I have no idea. That sounds. I wonder. Right. That'll be interesting to see if what he's done over the course of his contract is enough to make up for the three age. or four years of age that he's added. Um, right. Right. So yeah, he's getting, he's getting 7 million a year right now. Okay. That's honestly, I guess with cap inflation, like mm. eight to 10, maybe, I don't know. Once yeah. you get to 10, that's, that's kind of pushing it with me. Cause he is, he's what? Um, 32, 33 years old. Yeah. And even though he's getting the sacks, I feel like, it still has been a step down from last year. I don't even know how many sacks he had um, last year, but like that was as good as I've ever seen him play from a just down, down to down, down pass right. Sure. Um, perspective. Let me but, kind of flip the question. Sorry, no, go ahead and finish up. And then I have, a, no, yeah. A I mean, I would say, I would say eight and a half, eight and a half for Danico Autry would be my, my limit. Okay. Um, let me kind of flip the question on its head, and then I promise we will get to these these questions in the, in the comment section. Uh, besides Peter Skronsky, uh, the rest of the line, I think you need to kind of figure out something new at every position. How would you rank the order of importance um, going into this offseason? Like besides left guard, you've got four positions you would like to upgrade rank those based on the guys like who if, if you got to stick with one guy or two guys going into next year who are you fine sticking with in order to replace the other ones if that makes sense yeah so to me left tackle and right tackle are i mean like got by it. far got uh yep. the biggest needs if if you if had they, bookend tackles could you work with the current interior offensive line like could this could this work if you had bookend tackles yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, Daniel Brunskill, Aaron Brewer, um, you know, rookie Peter Skaronsky are all players that I don't think would be that noticeable on a top 10 to 12 offensive line. Um, now I think even if you, let's say you spend, uh, 
round one, round two picks on, on both tackles, and they might end up being you know great tackles of the future. As sure. we've seen with Peter Skronsky, that doesn't mean they're going to be good tackles, uh, good offensive linemen in their rookie mm-hmm. years. Um, yep. So, you know, for next year, I think center and guard are are two positions that I would be looking to find options in free agency. Yep. Um, like there's a lot of there's a lot of centers that I like in this class, but I wouldn't draft any of them on you know, before the fifth round, really. Um, And same thing with right guard. Like that's, that's the position that you can kind of stitch together in the off season. Tackle is not really something unless you get insanely lucky. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, let's dive into some of these questions from the comments and then we'll get on out of here in order here. Kenneth, longtime viewer of the show. Appreciate you being here, Kenneth. He asks very curious if James, so he's asking the 10,000 foot question here. James says the blame goes more to Vrabel and Kelly or the Christmas ghost of J Rob past. If you, this is a very binary question and not really your style. I know, I know James, but if you had to assign more blame to what John Robinson did for the construction of this team or what Vrabel and Kelly are doing from a operating it now standpoint, who is it? Is it, still that this team has just been set up for so long to fail that you have to blame the past? Um, well, I think that, so the first thing that I would say is that, um, you know, any defense or more like lack of criticism that I would have of, of Vrabel as a coach, uh, doesn't extend to Vrabel as a general manager. In fact, something I right. think the Titans should do this off season is, hire Rand Carthon as GM. Um, the whole like <laughs> idea that, right? <laughs> yeah. The whole idea of, of like the head coach, that's also going to, um, James, know, they're be, collaborating, be in charge buddy. of personnel. They're just collaborating. So, uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm not in favor of that. Um, even just disregarding the moves that he's made, like you're stretching yourself too thin and there's, sure. there's no reason for us to expect that, Mike Vrabel knows what he's doing scouting or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I would say the combination of, uh, John Robinson and then additionally the players that, that Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon brought in, um, have more of an effect on, uh, the Titans being bad than Vrabel and Tim Kelly, but that's really not, a whole lot to do specifically with the Titans coaches because outside of extreme examples, like probably one or two per season, um, I'm almost always going to lean towards uh, personnel over coaching number one, because I think it's more important. And number two, because that's the thing that I can actually have an educated opinion on. Like I can watch the tape and, and tell you which players are doing good and which players are doing bad. Sure. Um, I'm not watching the the practices or the meeting rooms. Like when Dylan Radins false starts twice per game, um, I could kind of just like broadly gesture at that and say, you know, that's on the coaches. And I agree with that to an extent, but I don't know how they're coaching the cadence and the snap count in practice. So like, I don't, I don't really have anything to add to that. It's, it's kind of like, right. After a certain point, it, it reaches a tipping point where it's like, okay, it's on the coaches. 
but I, I don't really know where that is. And really what I try to do is just like when there's obvious coaching examples, um, it's easier with play calling. It's hard. Right. To, it's really hard. It's really hard to criticize a, uh, a head coach that doesn't call plays because there's not a whole lot of concrete stuff that I have to, to really go off of. So, yeah. um, but you know, even aside from that though, I do think that, that it's, uh, just in general football is a lot more about having good players. Matt remarks Spears and Henry have roughly the same amount of touches, but it still feels like the, the Titans are not using Spears as much as they should. If it was up to you, James, would you prefer the tight? I think I've heard you say this already before in the past. Would, would you prefer they use Spears more often than they already are? Yeah, I probably would. Um, the one element of it that I don't know is how, how comfortable they are with giving him a full-time workload. Um, like I, I remember like a conditioning I, standpoint. I, well, just like kind of being a, a smaller, um, a smaller player. Like, right. yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think even if they don't re-sign Derrick Henry, let's say they let Derrick Henry walk. I think you're still going to get like a David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs type of situation next year. Yeah. Um, would be my With guess. Somebody. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, imagine them just given Ty J Spears 25 carries a game plus the receiving touches. Um, so I would probably have, I guess the biggest thing for me, um, what they've been doing outside of the times where Derek Henry's come out is that it's basically Derek Henry's the early down back. Ty J Spears is the third down back. And so Spears isn't really getting many of those under center carries um, on like outside zone and stuff. Um, you know, he's getting most of his carries out of shotgun. So I would like probably take 20% of the under center early down work that Derek Henry's getting and give it to Ty J Spears. That would probably, um, I mean, at this point, like it, it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> I, at, at this point, you know, yeah, I guess give, you know, give Ty J Spears all the carries, um, like you Probably. said, whoever's back there, it doesn't really, it's not going to change um, the fact that they can't run the ball. But if we're starting the season over and like how I would ideally plan it, I mean, I still think like Derrick Henry is a good running back, even, even with the step that he's lost and the fact that he, you know, doesn't really like fight through arm tackles as well as he did. Um, he's still, you know, a, a really effective running back relative to the rest of the league. So, so you're saying that the current situation he's in is making him look worse than he actually is at this point, you think? Well, I think the, the last two games have been his, his two of the worst games um, that I, that I've seen from him. Sure. I was, I mean, I was filling out an all pro roster and like I had Derek Henry as an all pro um, before the dolphins game. And wow. then like these last two games, I was like, Ooh, probably not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think overall he's, he's been really good this year. Recency bias though. Sure. All right. Tighten up asks, got to, he, he, this is an opinion of his, get your opinion on his opinion. Got to bring back more fullback work. If Derrick Henry is your number one back, he needs a head of steam and a fullback helps him get to the line of scrimmage with momentum. The, the Titans have been supplementing the lack of an actual fullback by title with tight end usage. I don't think that's really the issue here. Having a guy lined back at fullback, the position on the field maybe helps some, but I think the fullback would just be running into the same wall that Derek is running into. Am I, am I wrong about that? Yeah, they use, uh, they use Chigakonkwo as a fullback pretty often. Um, 
that's yeah that's one of the things that that uh tim kelly does a lot uh with his uh, running game is having tight ends in the backfield um that can split sift across um in different directions and that's really where chig is at his best uh, as a blocker i i did uh just did a titans tears episode on uh, the youtube channel and i showed a play it was an example of why you can't run 11 personnel with Chig as your one tight end. And it's just him like an inline tight end getting blown off the line of scrimmage tackle for loss. Um, and it's like, that's why Josh Wiley will always exist. That's why right. there will always be a Trayvon Wesco. There will always be a Jeff Swain. When you get rid of them, they'll bring in Trayvon Wesco. Kevin when you get Raider, rid of him, bring them in. Yep. Yeah. They'll bring in another guy that everyone will hate. Um, but when you get them like, you know, as a fullback and have him having blocking linebackers and DBs, he's actually, uh, you know, a, a pretty effective um, blocker. And then that way you don't have to waste a roster spot on a fullback that doesn't do anything else besides block. Tim Lee with a sharp question. He says the Titans 2019 bread and butter used to be hitting AJ Brown on play action on a Yankee concept for chunk plays. Why do you think that we aren't seeing that as much anymore. Is it Levis accuracy, a muted run threat, wide receivers on this roster just simply not being able to pull it off? What do you think is the the reason why this is kind of along the same lines of that hollowed out middle class of the the passing game? Is, is it the receiving talent? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's been something that I've been wanting uh, wanting them to to get back more to really since uh, since twenty nineteen. Because that, I mean, that was just such a, a cheat code play. Yep. Um, I think a few elements. The first one is that teams aren't giving as many favorable looks uh, to that kind of play as they were in 2019. Like 2019 was the, it's like scissors hitting the seam of, of the wrapping paper for that kind of offense. Um if you go back and watch like the Raiders game from 2019, they're still playing cover three with like a, the deep middle safety 20, 25 yards off the line of scrimmage. And like, they're just leaving. And then the linebackers are fully biting on the play action. There's literally leaving so much space over the middle of the field. You can just run anything um, there. You know, like they didn't even probably need AJ Brown. They could have had like anyone running those end breakers and it would have been open. Um, and after after people like Shanahan, McVeigh, Arthur Smith, pretty much half the league started just spamming that. And then the whole like too high quarters revolution came and mm -hmm. teams realized that, you know, biting on play action isn't the smartest way to play defense. Um, a lot of those looks have gotten taken away. And then even when teams do go into single high, they're still having uh, someone kind of rob the middle to to take away those those routes but like even though it's not there as often the looks are still there so i, I agree with you um and you know they, they got back to it um with, with hitting Traylon uh, a couple times in this past game but like that's something that that will levis uh executed a lot at kentucky and there's no reason that he couldn't uh couldn't do that at the nfl level Shane Franklin in the comments asks if this is it for Henry or is it, uh, if this is, I think, okay, I'm going to translate this. If this is it for Henry, what type of back replaces him in your opinion? Or what, what type of back would you like to see replace him? Again, we kind of already touched on this. You think it's going to be a, a two back system regardless, but 
maybe to, to spin the question a little bit, would you prefer to see them get another guy similar to Spears if it is uh, Henry's final season as a Titan to, to be a, a, you know, a one-two punch of similar style, or would you rather them go a little bit um, like, like, you know, Tony Pollard, Zeke, Cowboys end of the run with Zeke where you've got a, a goal line short yardage back and maybe you keep Henry in that role and let Spears handle the rest. What would you prefer they do? So I would probably, I would prefer that you keep it a similar role distribution where you've got Ty J Spears is in there for every passing down. And then I would want, I just think Ty J Spears is a good enough player that I still want him in there on early downs Mm-hmm. But like for rest purposes and, you know, longevity, um, you're not giving him, giving him every single snap. Um, so maybe, you know, a 70, 30, 60, 40 type of split as the early down back. Um, if we're looking at free agents, um, I've got it pulled up here. Okay. I think um, honestly, the most appealing free agent option uh, at running back is Deontay Foreman. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder like, if they have any interest in him. He was so That's good when he was here. Um, I, know. I know. So, yeah, I like Deontay Foreman. Uh, if they decided to go in the draft, uh, you know, I really, and you want, if I don't you think that'd be go, well received at all. I think that'd be so poorly received. They used to not, draft not early, not back. early. I think at all people would still hate it. I mean, they drafted Spears in the third round last year and people despised the pick. Yeah, but just for fun, if they wanted to go in the back, uh, go in the draft, they could get Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin. Okay, nineteen years old, six foot one, two hundred and forty-five pounds. Nineteen, young fella. Yeah, okay. um, I'm gonna jot that name to Braylon Allen. Jot that down. Yeah, um, like that's I would, for the record, I would be firmly against that. But that's the, that's the type. Of people okay, in like Fair the fourth enough. round. Um, Brace Matt yourself. Wilcox again in the comments asking or saying the Titans relationship with Chris Moore is really weird. PFF grades him highly and we still only give him like three or four targets a game. I want to know why 20.8 yards a catch and they only give him two targets. I think that that's just a result of that's that's kind of the arc. That's the role, the archetype that he fits as a receiver. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like they're not targeting him enough? I've been impressed with what he's done this year. I just don't think he's a volume guy in that way. Yeah, he has had some, basically the two ways that he's uh, gotten production have been just making crazy contested catches, which I, I didn't expect him to, to be that Me efficient either. at. Um, and honestly, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be in favor of, of maybe throwing him like one more jump ball a game. Um, and then could they the give other- his contested catch ability to trail on and then maybe he'd actually start to live up to the, I don't know, just a thought. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Anyways. And then like the other way he gets the ball is, is on like out routes against off coverage, which, you know, the defense has to, has to give you those looks. I think the way that the Panthers were playing uh, the Titans, for example, where they were just playing so far off, I think is like the blueprint of what not to do against the Titans because that's, that's the one of, look that's the one look that they kind of uh, know how strategy. to they know how to beat they they've got sure. they've got out route against off coverage down uh mm-hmm. beating okay. press man that's where that's where they really struggle dp putting you on the spot here saying james you mentioned it right when he was about to ask do you know what percentage of runs from this titans team 
are RPOs, it seems like they uh, they're never called, or if it is called, it's always a give. Um, it's okay if you can't get to that number quickly, but uh, it is a question that we have for you. Um, so I can tell you that the Titans have thrown 13 RPOs this year. Okay. All year. Um, yeah, 13 RPOs. It's tough. And then as far as runs, there have been actually more than I expected. 52 runs this year uh, okay. have been RPOs. So, okay. yeah, 13 plus 52, 65 RPOs on the year. And, um, and they are giving it about uh, 20 to 15% of the time. Okay, uh, there you go, DP. There are your numbers you requested. couple more before we get out of here. Tim saying, uh, shouldn't facing the highest percentage of cover three mean that we really should hammer play action? Seems like def uh, defenses love having sound run fits, then getting beat deep, but the Titans love running into a brick wall. Uh, yeah, I, someone would have to, to check the play action rate. It, it does seem like they run a good deal of play action, but... Um, like I, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier in the, uh, on this show, something I disagree with, or I think I disagree with, um, with Mike Vrabel is the idea that you have to establish the run a lot before you can call play action. Right. Um, you know, like just based off of just reputation alone, they can get people to bite off of play action. Not even that they're a good rushing offense, just that they run the ball a lot. Um, right. So yeah, play action, motion, um, motion's a little bit different. Um, don't have to get into all the details, but like those are two things that generally I'm just almost always in favor of, of upping the usage rate for. And finally, Josh has a question that I makes me not like Josh very much. I hate that we're having to end on this note because it just makes me sad, but he says with the funny profile picture of Peter Skronsky, uh, he feels like Kyle Phillips could help with the intermediate passing game. Um, I, you and me both, man. Yeah, it's what can you can you crack the Kyle Phillips enigma besides just the dude can't stay healthy? Um, yeah, I actually so I actually went back and watched uh, some of Colton Dow's special teams reps just to see what all the all, all the, the hullabaloo hype was, was about. about. <laughs> yeah, um, and. Uh, this cat's cooking. He's gotta be. I watched a couple games and like they were the ones that PFF said were his highest graded games. Sure. I didn't see it, but like, I didn't see the, the plays that, that they were seeing, but I've, I've seen people say that he was like doing good stuff. So I, I think I missed, missed something. I don't know. I, I just, I, I love, special teams I love that be you so staunch anti-special teams film guy have, has been forced by this, decrepit old terrible titans team to watch special teams film that makes me happy ban special teams so that kyle phillips can get a roster spot that's what i say you know what i think we'll end on that james you're doing so much fantastic work on the youtube channel and on social media um what what do the people need to go check out i know you did a titans tier video recently what else is going on yep just did a titans tier video i have this morning, I recorded six draft scouting reports that I am currently editing mm. that will be up this week. We've got uh, J.C. Latham, mm. Olu Fashanu, um, Joe Alt, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Keon Coleman. Um, 
yeah, some players watching... Titans might have access to and a bunch that they probably will have to watch go to another team. Yep. I've been watching like a ton of draft film over the past uh, two to three months, basically. And like now I'm at the point where I'm actually getting to turn it into videos content. and content. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Um, so yeah, check those out. Those are going to be flowing out uh, pretty soon. Fantastic. All right, guys, he's James Foster. We love having him on the show. You guys love when he joins us. We'll have him again, I'm sure, once or twice this spring when we're doing all of our draft coverage. But he's going to be diving into it now. So go and check out his work again at No Flags Film on Twitter and on YouTube. He is over there at A to Z Film Room. Check him out. I think it's A to Z Film Room on pretty much every social. So wherever you like to get your content, check him out there. James, it's been a pleasure. Those of you that joined us live, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We'll be back on Thursday afternoon, live at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, breaking down the Titans' upcoming game against the Seattle Seahawks, who got a very big win last night against the Eagles. They should be coming to the town. Geno Smith, whether he's going to play or not. Will Levis, whether he's going to play or not. And if he doesn't with that high ankle sprain, who's it going to be? We'll discuss all of that and more on Thursday. So join us live then at 530 uh, Central Time. Until then... For producer JT and our guest, James Foster, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you later.